Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Good evening and welcome to the DraftSite.com podcast. Once again, DJ Boyer joined by the incomparable Zach Gutierrez. Zach, how are you today? I'm good. I feel great tonight. It's a beautiful, beautiful night in New York City. Yes, the 70-degree weather uh, on the East Coast is something that we're not accustomed to for the month of November, but let's take advantage of it while we can. It's fun. I can walk around, you know, put a little bounce in my step. I'm wearing socks and sandals in public like a Oh, see, I wear nothing but uh, Congress All-Stars. Well, All right, those are cool. Well, I have... I currently have 43 pairs. It's, I'm, when I say it's all I wear, I'm... How many pairs? Wear. <laughs> 43? 40, 43, yes. Oh, you say 43 or 3? No, 43. Holy crap. That's that's... 4 and 3, that's all I wear. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I like that. Yeah. I like that. You know what Albert Einstein said? You know, he's like, when you're worrying about things like relativity, you don't care if you're wearing pinstripes or uh, plaid, you know? It's not one last thing to think about. If you find a good shoe, you like wear it all the time. <laughs> oh, let's see. No, I was wearing number 22 today, Forest Green. So uh, let's see. Went in. Oh, I'm wearing. I'm just wearing plain old black tomorrow. That's pair number three. So they're uh, stacked two yeah, in the closet in order. It's a little OCD. That is an interesting fact right there. That should be like in the show. <laughs> that's an interesting thing. Seriously, that's interesting. I'm. Uh, I gotta find a shoe like that that I can wear all the time. You know. But I like uh, that's like uh, that's like something interesting and unique to you. Uh, and the worst part when uh, I have three pairs of socks that I go to bed with, and they have Converse All Stars on the side of them, so I sleep in Chucks as well. It's really bad. Really? <laughs> yes. I I not So you sleep with socks every night? Yes. Why? Does it? Doesn't that bother you? It bothers me like no, no. I bet without socks, socks bothers, without socks bothers me. It would bother you. Yeah. Oh, that's, this is this is gold right here. Are you kidding me? And why do they have to? Be, <laughs> why do they have to be Converse? <laughs> why do they have to be Converse? Uh, just like the just socks, not the, the Chuck socks. emblem. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just weird. All right, that's cool. You know, I do weird things too. You know, <laughs> that's uh, not with my clothes. With like eating habits, I'll do weird things. But, all right, I love it. <laughs> We should, that should be, we should have an interesting fact at the beginning. I like that. 40, 43 pairs. I have, I have like five pairs of shoes. That's about it. All right. But well, let's we'll start it up. Let's start it up. I feel like me and you, me and you are like good friends now. You know, I've talked to you on the phone almost longer than, than I've talked to almost anybody I've ever met, if you think about it. You know? Welcome to our latest podcast here for DraftSite.com. I am joined by the ever entertaining Zach Gutierrez. That's that's best I come up with. Just entertaining. That's the first word that I think of when I think of Zach. Entertaining. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's very flattering. You know why? Because I want to be an entertainer. Nothing like entertaining. There you go. It it comes across. We're going to jump right into the fray tonight. Speaking of entertaining, we had some entertaining news come out from the, the world of college football. The first college football playoff uh, top four teams were announced, and just a few surprises. And I think the big thing here is that this time last year, I believe there were four undefeated teams. So 
it kind of set up just nice and even. Of course, it didn't end that way. But right now, at this point, Zach, we've got 10 undefeated teams, so we knew it was going to be a little crazy. But your thoughts on the list, something that jumps out at you, and then, of course, we'll, we'll release what the top four is for people who may not have heard this yet. But what jumps out at you with, with the list that we've seen tonight? Have, have you seen the four teams first, I guess you should? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't really surprise me because I feel like a lot of people make a bigger deal about this than it needs to be made. It's, if the season were to end today, like if for some reason – they couldn't play football after this, and they needed to end the season today. Based on what we've seen this year, that would make sense. But you got to keep in mind, Ohio State's ranked three. They haven't played Michigan State. They haven't played Michigan. The two toughest teams they have to play. Baylor and TCU are going to get a chance to knock one down, make another one shoo in for the uh, for the uh, you know Power Four, which neither of them are ranked in. That's probably the one thing to me that neither of those teams are in the Power Four or the, the Final Four. That's crazy to me. That's uh, crazy to me. And, and Clemson, I, I think that's a team that you can think, you know, maybe they're in the Final Four. They're one of the undefeated teams. But number one, oh, that's, that's a little yeah. bit uh, that's a little bit out I'd there. I'd say it's based on the fact Florida State. they beat Notre Dame. That's the only thing I can think of. That they have, like, Ohio State has beaten nobody. Uh, TCU and Baylor have really beaten nobody. Uh, Alabama has quality wins, and that's why they're in there. But uh, Clemson has beat Notre Dame. And you got to think, uh, number two and four on that list, you've got Alabama, we've also got LSU, and they're going to be facing each other this weekend. So, obviously, one of them is going to really solidify that, that spot in the top four right now while the other one goes a-tumbling. And if it's anything like we've seen in years past, and this is something I wrote about, uh, I think over the last five years, if you look over just consistency, what two teams have given us the most entertaining games, they haven't been always high-scoring, but just – just feels like you're just there. You can uh, just watching the game. It almost feels like you can feel yourself getting hit. Uh, just just being there. Uh, the Alabama LSU series has been just brutal at times. It's just been entertaining football, and so uh, you know it, it's had a great reputation. So if, if it lives lives up to what we've seen over the last four or five years, we've got a candidate maybe for game of the year. And and now with with higher stakes than we've seen in the last four or five years. I agree. Uh, I think it's like the, the great rivalry of the last five years, at least. Maybe a little closer to ten years. Uh, it's a great, great game. Uh, and um, it's still early in the season, so it doesn't necessarily – whoever wins this isn't in it. You know, they're still going to have to play probably Florida in the uh, in the SEC championship. Like if Alabama beats LSU and then somehow loses – I'm wondering about this. If Alabama beats LSU barely – and then loses in the SEC championship to a two-loss Florida team, and LSU loses to Alabama fairly in Alabama, and then wins out. I mean, you could still consider them a playoff team. It's a pick. This other, I can already tell the committee picks. They pick on how the teams look at the end of the year. That's the reason Ohio State made it last year. If Ohio State doesn't smack Wisconsin like they did, they don't. They don't make the playoffs. So it's kind of like passing the eye test and seeing how the teams look, and that's kind of how they do the rankings. So as far as some of the teams, yeah, and, and of course the, the first two teams on the outside looking in right now are Baylor and Notre Dame, and Notre Dame, like Alabama, with a one-loss team. And as we mentioned, that one loss did come to Clemson, who is uh, number one, but uh, Clemson still has Florida State to play, which has been the, the toast of the ACC uh, in, in recent years. So we'll have to see how all that pans out as well. But uh, – any of the other teams on the outside looking in or anyone that you think can, quote, crash the party? I mean, that that we haven't spoke about or that aren't in the top four? 
I'd say just anyone that could get in the top four, or if there's no one we spoke about. I think one interesting scenario is uh, the, AAC, the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, has thrown a couple of good teams out there as well. I, I don't think any of them are going to get into the playoffs. But maybe a team that can surprise, maybe Stanford, you know, one-loss Stanford team losing first game of the year. Sorry, go ahead. The early loss to, to Northwestern, 16-6 uh, in week one. But the AAC, we, we've seen Houston. Houston is undefeated, a very good team, but I don't think Houston's of that caliber. I did like Temple. I thought Temple has a defense to compete, and they played Notre Dame very, very well this past week. That, that's a game they, they easily could have won. If Temple wins that game, boy, Temple's probably just on the outside or possibly even at the, at the tail end of the top ten. Uh, we only dropped them one one point uh, from 20 to 21 in the – in the poll this past week. I, again, I, I don't think Temple belongs among the elite or for a college football playoff, but definitely a ranked team. They've got a very, very good defense there, definitely on the way up. But Memphis, that's, that, that's a team that, you know, that, that's, I believe it's a 13-game winning streak now. We've talked that the defense has been a little opportunistic. Paxton Lynch, who currently is the, the top quarterback drafted in our latest mock, and, you know, at 6'7", 245, and, this is a team with a quality win. You know, they, they defeated Ole Miss by 13, and I don't even think that was really indicative. That that game was not as close as the score made it sound. Uh, I think that was 37-24, and Memphis had that game well in hand. So there's already one quality win there. Now you're going to have uh, – they've got to face Houston yet. Cincinnati's a little bit uh, tougher, especially with Gunnar Keelback. Navy's a good team, only one loss, and that was to Notre Dame. So – it's a, it's a pretty good conference. I think if Memphis wins out, that's the one team that could crash the party, I believe, if a couple of these other teams suffer some losses. It's a little bit of a long shot, but to me it's it's not uh, it, it's not something that I would say is unfathomable. I think Memphis does have an, out, an outside boxer's chance at this point. No, if we had to pick one from that conference, I would definitely say Memphis. Uh, but then, you know, they still got to play Houston. Uh, we'll see. Cause don't sleep on Houston. Don't sleep on Houston. Uh, and if it's Houston that wins out, they definitely won't get in because they didn't get that, like, huge Ole Miss win that Memphis did. So Memphis beat Ole Miss. All right, Ole Miss is pretty good. They beat them at home. Uh, even if they went out, they'd have to crush teams to, to jump an undefeated Big Ten team, even if it's, like, the Hawkeyes that go undefeated. You know, like, they they, they don't. They didn't play nearly as many people. And the one tough, really tough game that they played was at home. I'd like to see them play on the road in one of those crazy environments that the teams in power conferences have to deal with every other week. And Iowa, that's an interesting team to bring up because that's a team that's definitely got the easiest road until they would get to the, the Big Ten uh, championship game, You know, providing that they get there facing the likes of uh, more than likely the Ohio State uh, Michigan State winner, but Iowa it just see, every every year there seems to be that one team that has that schedule that just seems to be just you don't want to say a cupcake schedule, but just everything seems to be playing in their favor. They, it's just a very favorable the way that it works out, and that seems to be Iowa this year. You know, a good team, a solid team, but yeah, not a team that I'm, I, we still have them ranked outside the top ten. Again, I still think a, a very solid team, but but again with a couple breaks and we've seen stranger things happen. I mean, if they go undefeated and they beat Ohio State or Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship, they, they definitely would go in over a Memphis team that wins out. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. 
Uh, and I, I think yeah, that's, the road is set up set up for them to get there, to get to the championship game. I think it's clearing that final hurdle, but on any given day, yeah. uh, I'll really take I know, any given day, but also don't sleep on Nebraska. Nebraska, uh, Nebraska is a team that I think Iowa goes to Nebraska. That's like a dangerous game for Iowa at the end of the year. A very underachieving but getting much better Nebraska team. Nebraska has lost it. all uh, – look, they've lost by like 10 combined points in all their games. I was just going to say, it was like their first five losses were like by 13 points. And remember, it started all with that miracle Hail Mary against BYU in the season. Yeah, crazy. So that's a, that's a game to watch out. I mean, Iowa's good, but there's been years like this before with Iowa under Kirk Ferentz where they start off 8-0 and then and, and with three losses. Absolutely. So, well, we're going to turn the focus a little bit here back to the NFL. Um, real quickly, today was the deadline. We were expecting – you know, last year the, the trades kind of picked up. We saw a, a number of trades around the deadline. At the end of the year there were a couple, and not really too much movement today. The, the only real trade quote of significance was really uh, Vernon Davis being shipped from the 49ers to the Broncos. It looked like we were going to have two teams that possibly having some fire sales being San Francisco and Cleveland. Now, Cleveland, there were a couple of deals rumored uh, – uh, to be going down involving some of their offensive linemen like Alex Mack and Joe Thomas, a potential deal with the Patriots that never came to fruition. There's a lot of talk about Colin Kaepernick uh, possibly going to Philadelphia. There was another NFC team that was in the mix. There was some talk that maybe that was Dallas because of some of the issues that we've seen. You know, Dallas has not won a game since Tony Romo's been out of the fray. So were you surprised that we didn't really see the number of moves or with some of the potential uh, people that you heard that were on the block that didn't move? What, what really surprised you uh, at, at the trade, trading deadline today, Zach? Nothing really. It wasn't like a, there was no crazy deals. But in football, you don't see as many crazy deals at the trade deadline because it's not like you can – it's not like baseball where you can take somebody, you know, and just smack them at third base and let them hit. And, and football, I mean, they, they, everyone – it's kind of got to be like a perfect match to, uh, to even consider pulling the trigger midseason. But uh, – uh, I, I can't be surprised by the 49ers. They're obviously in fire sale mode. Uh, I'm interested to see how Vernon Davis will, uh, I think I, I could step in very, very good. Vernon Davis and Peyton Manning. Uh, so I was happy to see that because I like Vernon Davis and, uh, it'll be interesting to see him play with, uh, with Peyton. And the Broncos are just looking so good right now. And I think I would just like, as a football fan, I wouldn't mind seeing Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl. So I, I, I like that trade. It's not really, uh, like nothing jumped out at me. I was hoping the Jets were going to like try to grab Cutler or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, re- reunite him with Brandon Marshall. If you're the Jets, there it sounds like that's a deal that you would have made. So we're going to going to put the GM hat on here for for a couple of teams. Uh, we'll we'll go maybe three or four teams a piece, and I'm going to let you go first. Maybe that that was an example. Maybe if you're the Jets, uh, you you pull a trade there. Obviously, we don't know the full extent of the Ryan Fitzpatrick injury. Um, Geno Smith, there's been problems there. There's uh, the late hit that he took. So, uh, you know, maybe the Jets make that deal for a quarterback. So give me another scenario or something. If you were the GM of a team, maybe you're in the position where you're trading someone or you're bringing someone in. Uh, what do you think would have been a good situation? Uh, uh, the Eagles, have obviously, uh, I mean, not the Eagles, the 49ers to get rid of Kaepernick. If you're just going to go and you're going to trade away Vernon Davis and uh, I think they're just, they, they got the football minds in San Francisco and like they're looking forward 
to rebuilding. Uh, the, that was a crazy mass exodus. So, like, when something happens like that, that's like a pock. It's like an apocalypse, you know, when you have that many players leave. So they just said, let's, let's rebuild it. Let's do it the right way. Uh, and I'm sorry that no one took Kaepernick, uh, because I'm sure the 49ers are willing to get rid of him. Absolutely. Right. I think, uh, and, and it's really, it seems like with that monster contract that he signed, and again, you got to remember Colin Kaepernick has $61 million that were guaranteed uh, coming in, which is just an absolutely crazy number. That is over a $100 million contract. But of course, in the, in the NFL, nothing is really uh, – we don't see a lot of these players get the full value of that contract. That's why the signing bonus is so, so big at the NFL level. But uh, it's really not a significant cap hit if the 49ers were to jettison uh, Kaepernick during the first year, whether it be this year during the season or uh, in uh, around March next year, between March and the uh, end of April when the draft would come around. It's a – Fairly lighter cap hit for the, the 49ers. And when I say light, I mean about 6 to $7 million, which doesn't sound light. But uh, in years two and beyond in that contract, it's double digits uh, as far as the millions every year. So it's if the Niners have to make a move, they got to do it soon. Because, look, the Redskins were facing this with RG3. And this is a guy we're talking about, what, three years ago? He was the NFL Rookie of the Year. And now... He supposedly was out on the, the waiver wire, and no one even bit. Nothing was even close, actually. I don't know if the, the Redskins would have made the deal, but I think they were just, you know, kind of dangling him out there, seeing if, if maybe a really, really good offer came. And I don't even think they got offered a, you know, a seventh-round pick or even a pack of bubble gum or a pack of crackers. I don't think they got <laughs> anything for him. It, it's just amazing how the mighty have fallen uh, from time to time. You really look at the stock of RG3 – I don't know if I can remember someone whose uh, value has been diminished so quickly at, at a position that is valued as highly as the quarterback in the NFL. But uh, I, I would say maybe another scenario is is you were just talking about a team looking for a quarterback, Dallas, of course. I mean, this is a team that started two and zero, and you know they're they're now two and five. They're they're at the bottom of the NFC East. The Giants are winning that division at five hundred. So even at two and five. You know, Dallas is right in the thick of this race. Every team is still in it. You know, maybe they make a deal for a quarterback. Brandon Whedon wasn't uh, wasn't uh, really the answer. They bring in Matt Castle. They make the deal for him. He's you know hasn't really been that great either. So you know maybe they're looking for a long term replacement or, or maybe something they can do at the deadline. Just something to shake up the team. But I think there's bigger team, bigger problems going on there. In Big D. Uh, just just turmoil everywhere, but but that's a team that I thought maybe would try to shake up the roster a little bit, whether it be the the quarterback position or just somewhere, because Dallas just seems to be uh, just in a mess right now. Yeah, it'd be tough to pick up a quarterback because Rumble's coming back. Uh, I mean, Matt Castle service, but what are you going to do? You, you're not trading to get somebody for the future. I mean, Rumble's probably got another three years left. Uh, you're well, you, you're going to pick up somebody like how much better than Castle to fill in until Tony Romo gets better. Uh, I it was surprised they released uh, Randall today, so I can see what you're saying about the dysfunction. But I I like the position the Cowboys are in for maybe not this year, but next year. I still think with that offensive line, I love the fact that they signed Darren McFadden. So that's peanut deal compared to what they would have to pay Demarco Murray. I thought that was one of the best moves of the all season. I think it's going to start to show how good Darren McFadden is. And when Tony Romo comes back, Darren McFadden's a guy that can catch like six, seven balls a game out of the backfield. Uh, and he, 
he has been in the league in the while, but he still has a lot of mileage because he was injured a lot in, in Oakland. And this is a guy that really has never seen an offensive line or offense like he, like he has in Dallas now. And I think when Rumble comes back, I mean, they'll be very good. The fact that Des Bryant had such a bad game and didn't uh, completely implode is kind of showing a little progress on his end. So uh, it's not the end of the world for, for Dallas. And their defense is good. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought up Oakland because this is a team that there was uh, some talk uh, at the very, the very tail end of today, uh, something that didn't really seem like it got a lot of attention, but Calvin Johnson is a name that we, we heard a little bit. There was some, some reports that maybe he's on the, the move. You know, even a person like Matthew Stafford, who maybe in the offseason or, or something, there, there's just those two contracts that Detroit has right now is just tying up so much cap space. And you're, you're talking about a team that's one in six right now and looks like it's going to be battling for you know, the top pick in, next, in the next draft. There was some talk about maybe a team like the Carolina Panthers or even the New England Patriots. You know, the rich gets richer, looking for another big receiving target as, as possible destinations. Uh, there was some late talk that the Raiders actually had made an inquiry about Calvin Johnson, which is a little bit scary since, you know, Derek Carr has been, looks like the first stable quarterback they've had there in quite a while, maybe since the days of, of Rich Gannon. And, you know, Amari Cooper and, and, and how good he's looked as a rookie. And just Oakland seems to be putting something together there. You put a player like Calvin Johnson in the mix there, that could have really, really been interesting. I, I don't think that was really close to materializing, but there did seem to be some mild interest there and in what needed to be done. Uh, I just think that too much needed to be done on Oakland's side to kind of restructure that deal maybe to, to make it happen. But, boy, that would have been a very interesting scenario. You would have talked about one team who really could have seen its offense totally transformed. Boy, Oakland with Calvin Johnson, that that just uh, – just kind of came out of left field late, and that, that would have been something very, very interesting to watch. Oakland, to me, that's a, that's a team on the rise, and we talked about that earlier in the year. Yeah, they're definitely on the rise, but, I mean, I like what, what they got in the two and Crabtree right now, and Oakland has finally figured out that you don't build through free agency. I'm not saying trading is free agency, but it's similar. You build through the draft. Granted, they pick up Crabtree, but they drafted Latavius Murray, Carr, Cooper, Khalil Mack. The majority of the players on the team, heck, they even draft, they even drafted Charles Woodson, you know? So, like, they, they figured it out. It's the players you draft. That's how you build a team. That's how the Packers do it. That's how the Steelers do it. That's how the Patriots do it. And, uh, Roger McKenzie's doing a good job, and it's nice to see a team that is just, is always bad, be pretty good and young and fun to watch. And I hope that the Jaguars do the same and compete in the AFC South. Yeah, the AFC South, just another, just another division that just seems to be wide open there. And another thing that I think kind of flies under the radar today, uh, Ken Wisenhunt actually being released by the Titans after a very abysmal 3-20 and record, just 23 games into his head coaching tenure in Tennessee. I haven't heard too much about possible coaching uh, replacements there, but, and you know, uh, I'll, I'll go back to the, the crazy maybe slash conspiracy theory that I had that, possibly with, with everything that happens under the microscope in Philadelphia and Chip Kelly wanting to be tempted to reunite with Marcus Mariota at some point. thought maybe this would happen in a year or two. I, this is a lot sooner than expected, but do you think maybe Tennessee tries to, obviously there's some tampering and things of that nature that you know they kind of have to steer clear of. They wouldn't come out and readily admit it. But if, you know, they, likely they're going to be hiring an interim coach, look for a, a long-term coach in the offseason season. 
if things go sour in Philadelphia and all the, the media scrutiny that, that Chip Kelly's undergone, is that something to you that sounds plausible? Do you think that's something that he would consider? No, I don't think – I think Chip knows that he's not going anywhere. He made, it, he made the remark about being like – eventually being like Tom Coughlin. Uh, and I think the, the difference between the Eagles, even though the Eagles really hasn't shown the field, and, and the Titans is the Eagles are, I think, a very well-run team with you know, some pretty solid management. And you got to realize when you give a guy a team, you got to let him uh, – I understand that winning on record was terrible. In fact, there's a good chance that I literally could have won more games than him as a head coach. And I'm just <laughs> it, it's a possibility. But, like, when you want to win and build a winning team, it's the consolidarity. It's not getting rid of coaches. And Wisman's a proven commodity as a coach, and they should, you know, he earned at least uh, three full three years. Kind of like the Jaguars are doing with Gus Bradley, which I'm very, you know, like you can't get rid of Gus Bradley after two years of that team that he inherits, and you really can't blame Wisman for inheriting that Titans team that he inherited. That's why Chip Kelly's not going to because the Eagles know. No, you got to have a coach around for three, four years. All right, and uh, another thing that we want to bring up about the NFL uh, real quickly is injuries. There always seems to be one marquee player each and every week that unfortunately seems to go down or, or, or is bit by the injury bug. This week seems to be Le'Veon Bell with your, your Pittsburgh Steelers. A long-term prognosis at running back probably looks a little bit better, though, because D'Angelo Williams looked pretty good in those first two games. But, you know, being 32, going on 33 years old, do you think this is – something he can sustain for the rest of the year. How much difference uh, do you see with the Pittsburgh offense? How does this change the dynamics there in Pittsburgh? Uh, I, I was waiting for this question to be asked. It's, uh, and it's, it's a real shame because he, he probably is. It's got to be him or Todd Gurley right now. He's the best running back in the NFL. And just how good he is out of the backfield catching the ball combined with Ben's ability to extend plays. It was like a really beautiful thing to watch them play together. It's really sad because Pittsburgh with Le'Veon Bell, I think, is one of the best, not the best offenses in the league. But it's not like last year where they had absolutely nobody to fill in. They got D'Angelo Williams. They signed Isaiah Pete. I'm not sure <laughs> what that's going to turn out. But I remember when Isaiah Pete was coming out. I think this, you know, this kid's a monster. Uh, but having D'Angelo is going to be huge. D'Angelo looked really good the first few weeks. Uh, they got enough ability to throw on the ball that if any running back should be able to run. And that offense, They're, they have a plus offensive line. Martavius Bryant's back from suspension, which he wasn't when uh, D'Angelo Williams was last starting. And their defense looks good. I'm always optimistic because I'm a Steelers fan, but uh, don't sleep on Pittsburgh. <laughs> it's not over yet. It's not, it's not the end of the – I mean, it's bad. It's bad. It made me want to cry, but it's not, the, it's not the end of the season for the Steelers. Absolutely, and getting Martavius Bryant back should be huge because we saw the big games that Antonio Brown had in the – beginning of the season with Big Ben healthy, and obviously Ben goes down with the injury, Martavius Bryant comes back. We've seen him put up some big numbers, even with the likes of Michael Vick and Landry Jones, their quarterback, and now we're going to, you know, Ben, not a great game last week, but, you know, he's just getting back into the fold. They did play a quality team in Cincinnati. Now we're going to see what, what what's going to happen. Really, for the first time, it seems like great. We're going to have everybody, you know, really in place there for, for Pittsburgh, Ben's going to be, you know, second game back. He's going to be healthy. We've got uh, Martavius Bryant on the field. Antonio Brown should see the increase in production. And now, unfortunately, we have the, the injury to Bell. But, again, of the four of those, I would argue I, I think that Bell is the best player of those four that I mentioned. But not to say that 
probably the easiest to replace because, again, you do. it's like you said, it's not like last year where they were paper thin at running back. There's a little more depth there, and, and D'Angelo Williams is obviously a proven NFL commodity. So I think getting him back in the fold is a – or actually getting him in to, to replace a player like Le'Veon Bell, as good as Le'Veon Bell is, it's not as big a drop-off, say, maybe some other uh, positions, like maybe losing Big Ben or not having Brian in the lineup. I think that's a kind of a bigger bigger fall for the Steelers. So definitely one of the better signings that I think uh, kind of went o- overlooked in the offseason that you know now people are going to look back and say, wow, that, that is going to turn out to be a good deal because I think Pittsburgh I, is going to be didn't think one it was of the overlooked. top teams in the FC. Because they, they made the playoffs last year, and they had a very good team, and, and they didn't have Le'Veon Bell. And they hadn't prepared – I mean, they weren't ready for it. And uh, they couldn't do anything against Baltimore at home. They were playing in Pittsburgh. And it was, last year's playoff game was embarrassing. They had Josh Harris as the starting running back. And uh, it showed – and you, I, I'm happy. Obviously, I would have rather than had a good backup then and competed last year in the playoffs. But to have that happen and to have them know that they have to go out – and I was always, because I, I really think McFadden's got some good years ahead of him. I wanted McFadden, but when they got D'Angelo Williams, I was, I was happy. You've you got to have a good backup, especially at running back. You know, running backs are going to get hurt. <laughs> Absolutely, good point. And, again, I think we both agree that Pittsburgh is going to be one of the, the top teams in the EFC going forward, uh, even if it is just competing for a wild card, because right now it's, it's going to take a lot for them to catch uh, Cincinnati, but – Cincinnati, there, there's a yeah, team they're, kind of imploded in, in the past. I don't don't think the race is over yet, but Cincinnati's got a pretty nice lead right now. No, well, the thing is, is Pittsburgh's got to catch. They got to worry about catching New York and Oakland, keeping pace in the wild card because, like, it's it's going to be unlikely. It's going to be unlikely that they they win the AFC North. The Bengals will implode when they go 13 and three this year, and then it's another playoff game for them. After the week one by, and they get smoked by some, by somebody like the Steelers in the playoffs. Because that's what the Bengals do. They can't win in the playoffs, so they'll be good in the season. We'll just wait for the playoffs to kind of see, uh, you know, how it shakes down. But uh, the Bengals could go fourteen and two, but I still would not. I would not bet on them because uh, when you watch Andy Dalton in the playoffs, it's like something happens. You know, like he, uh, he maybe overthinks. I don't know, but he's terrible. Good point. Actually, I had, I'm I'm really surprised that. And Cincinnati's done as well as they have. I kind of expecting them to implode um, in the regular season this year, but obviously haven't. Uh, they're making a mockery of, of that pick that I had early on. But um, real quickly, uh, just just to touch a little bit upon the, the mock draft, we do have our uh, version 3.0 is actually up on the site. It is three rounds deep. That is just today as well. Um, I'd say probably within the next two to three weeks, we will be debuting a fourth round uh, to that. And uh, we did update uh, the draft order. We're trying to do that week to week. It doesn't exactly follow the NFL and where they would stand as of this moment, but it that's a big determining factor. And then kind of how we think the, the rest of the year is going to shape up. So um, pretty big, especially uh, for draft news. Baltimore actually would have had the top pick. Um, uh, last week and moving forward, uh, and now I believe that uh, that distinction does belong hey, to Michael. <laughs> uh, with with Tennessee and Detroit kind of of uh, fighting for that now, and and Baltimore making a bold prediction they think they can win out the rest of the year. I'm I'm not quite sure that will happen, but I think they're better than that two and six uh, record indicates, 
even if they have to move forward without Steve Smith. That was a, another big injury for, for a team that's already kind of uh, depleted at the wide receiver position. Yeah, huge, huge injury. And that's what I love about the NFL is that the Ravens are two and six. And honestly, I believe on any given day, and, and you know the Patriots believe it, that the Ravens could beat the Patriots. That's what's so cool. And I'm like, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of other teams that are, uh, that, that are in the NFL and that don't even have 500 records, but I think on any given day could win. And you're seeing it with the Saints kind of coming alive now. Uh, but that's the beauty of the NFL. And losing Steve Smith, I mean, they're done now. <laughs> well, without Steve Smith, I don't think they could beat the Patriots. He's so important to their passing game. Really opens everything up when he's playing well. And a couple of things before uh, we end tonight's show. We didn't really even talk about that uh, that mockery of defense, uh, what, 101 points, 52-49 that we saw on Drew Brees with the seven touchdown passes. Uh, a little bit entertaining. Uh, I think it was something that was talked about at length, especially lovers of defense that were kind of appalled at what they had seen. But you know, it's good to see a nice uh, shootout like that every now and again. But the last thing I did want to touch on, and then, of course, we'll we'll try and be back uh, next week and kind of mix up the topics a little bit more, was you kind of touched upon it, uh, talking about Le'Veon Bell between here, Todd Gurley, and that's actually something I've just wrote about uh, on the site recently. The fact that just five games into his NFL career right now, Todd Gurley is probably the best running back in the NFL. It's just amazing uh, to see him when he hits that hole. I mean, it, it's fast enough to watch him hit the hole, but then he just seems to hit a whole nother gear and just accelerating to see that, that balance of speed and power. Uh, I, I think this is, this is giving the Rams a, a whole new look. We knew they were a pretty good team you know, going into the season, but with Seattle still struggling on offense and the Cardinals are still a, a very, very good team and, and look like the front runners for the division. But you really got to think now that the Rams are serious, serious wildcard contenders and you know, that with a player like Gurley, you get him hot in the playoffs. How far do you think this Rams team can go? They've been missing something on offense forever, and everyone was always like, it's a big play receiver, it's a big play receiver. But if you watch any team that's flourished under Jeff Fisher, you know, it's going to pound in the rock. That's, that's the type of team he coaches. Uh, and so he's a perfect fit, and they can be very dangerous because you can take a guy like Nick Foles and surround them with, you know, average playmakers. And add that to the incredible running game of Todd Gurley, and that's that combined with their defense, that's a team that can do damage. And uh, it's funny because if you look at any mock drafts for the Rams, it's always like, oh, they need a big play receiver. They need a big play receiver. It's a running back they have always needed. Yeah, they had a, a good running game there for a little bit. Zach Stacy had a little moment in the sun uh, a couple years with that running back by committee coach, but yeah. they never really had that guy who you really had to to fear or defensive coordinators really had to scheme against. It was it was more about the passing game and, and just them having enough to get by running the football. And now, just having that threat there with Todd Gurley, uh, that's got to open things up, not only for that team, but for Nick Foles in that passing game. I think you're going to start to see more production out of players like Tavon Austin. Maybe, maybe Jared Cook actually starts to make more than maybe one big catch a game that he, that he seems to be good for. Uh, I, I just think that this opens up so many more opportunities for the players around him that even when Todd Gurley's not going to be putting up these 100-yard games or ripping off these long runs, it's just going to do so much for that offense. And, you know, they've, they've still got a couple of quality backs there. You know, uh, 
Uh, Mason, uh, the rookie from Auburn last year and a second year back, not a, not a bad back really uh, in his own right. So I, it's not that they're devoid of any running talent there, but the Rams suddenly, uh, if there's a sleeper team in the NFC, I've I, I got to believe it's the Rams right now because we've seen what they can do in defense. They're very, very, very good up front, and you've got a player like Janoris Jenkins who just takes a lot of gambles, is very Asante Samuel-like. But, boy, he's we've seen him make about two or three big plays a, a year, and when he gambles, he's a guy that can take it to the house with regularity. So, boy, the, the Rams, that that's a team that if if I'm – if they're on my schedule, I'm I'm just scared to death to play the Rams at this point right now because it just seems like they're just starting to hit their stride, and, boy, we could see even bigger things out of this offense. Yeah, the Rams have been – were scary last year, you know, and the year before. They're, they're always scary. They're not – look what they did to the Seahawks on uh, – was that Monday Night Football last year? They are maybe, maybe two years ago, I forget. But, uh, I mean, they have always been scary, and – I think they attribute a lot of the success to is because a lot of owners, I promise you, would have fired Jeff Fisher by now, which is ridiculous because, like Ken Wisenhunt, Jeff Fisher is an established coach. When you're an established coach like that and you, you're t- inheriting a terrible organization, you got to give them time. And uh, Fisher hasn't made the playoffs yet. And a lot of people, a lot of owners would, I promise you, for as long how long has he been the coach there? Four years now? Five After years. This fourth season. And uh, a lot of coaches would have fired him. And then, look, they're they're at the point now where he his system's in place, and they're they're going to be ready to make a run, and they're going to be good for the next few years. All right. Well, they're going to be good for the next few years, and we're going to be good for the rest of the year at least. And this is a good time to kind of sign off for tonight. But again, uh, we'll be talking more about the mock draft next next week, as well as some of the big games in college football. It's a a real real big week. Of, more than just uh, LSU and Alabama. There's a couple of big games on slate, and we're coming down to the kind of the nitty-gritty of the last three or four weeks for a lot of these teams, and a lot of big rivalry games are going to be existing as well. As well as talking about what we see in the NFL, we're kind of hitting that uh, uh, that midway point, and just about everybody's had their bye now after this week. I think there's only two more weeks of the bye, so lots is going to happen. And, again, we're going to be adding that fourth round uh, to the mock draft uh, very, very soon. So parting thought for you that we may not have covered in this show, Zach. Uh, no, I think I actually I, I had a lot of things I wanted to say tonight, and uh, I feel uh, like we talked about all of them. I just think um, that don't don't sleep on Pittsburgh to get out. <laughs> That's what I want people to go to bed with tonight. All right, you heard it there from Zach. Don't sleep on Pittsburgh. That's what we're going to take from tonight's show. But again, this is uh, for Zach. This is DJ as well, signing DJ Boyer signing off here. Um, be sure to uh, keep oh. looking back at the checking the site this week. More, some more updates, some more player profiles actually going up from from our friend Shasky Clark on the site. You guys take it easy, and we will see you next week here on DraftSite.com. What's the oldest pair you have? Uh, pair one, which is Lark uh, Larkspur Blue which is kind of the color of uh, the D word that runs with puke, that color, uh, that color blue. Oh, gosh, we didn't even oh. talk about that debacle. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, they started with basic colors, like I had regular green at two and the, the black pair at three and red at four, and they kind of, you know, went from there. Monochrome. But how old the old lads and, uh I think I got that pair. There were a pair that I had before, but I, I just have, like, a pair here and there. But um, that pair is from 2010. 
All right, that's not too bad. I mean, I thought you were talking yeah. about like you just had the same shoes. So yeah, they're all pretty new. Yes, and that's that's all I wear. Even like yeah, but the what church you, and other yeah. Yeah, but you, you oh, you wear them to church? Oh, I will. I don't like, wear any other shoes. Really? So like, if you went to a wedding anywhere, you wear those shoes. I love that. I love. Absolutely. Last, last wedding I went to, I just, uh, I, I just, all I did was make sure what my girlfriend was wearing. So I'm like, okay, I'll match my chucks to what she's wearing. She had a, uh, a pink dress with a little bit of black in. I've got a plaid pair that are uh, pink with a uh, pink and black, uh, pink and black plaid pair. I love it. It's like your calling the... card. That's <laughs> yeah. great. That's great. That's your calling. The only time is like if I'm like, uh, like doing yard work or something like that. I got, I got some like couple pair of sneakers I'll just like wear to goof off. That's about I, it. I like that. <laughs> but uh, do you always wear the same socks? So you can't wear the same three socks. Oh, no, no. Those are just my, those are just uh, that I'll wear to bed. Bed socks? Bed socks. Yeah, they're a little, uh, like they're a little longer. You're a pretty regimented guy, it sounds like. I'm a little OCD on, on <laughs> some things, absolutely. Yeah, Oh, yeah, you kidding me? I live with my brother. Uh, he's OCD to the... I live with him. So, like, uh, he's OCD to the next level. Like, if you move something in his room, he can tell. Like, if you move it, like, a slight angle, I mean, you know? If you make the angle a little bit off, he can tell. Just oh, like, I'm not that looks, You know? Yeah, no, I'm trying to... A couple of weird... That's, like, his hero. This is a couple of weird things, though. The other thing that just always bothers me, I'll, uh... I never set my alarm or like if I'm setting something in the microwave, it's never, I can never set time to end in a zero or a five. It's just too common. I always got to send it for like an odd number. Like I wake up every day at like 4.47 in the morning. And naturally you do that. You don't need an alarm clock? Oh no, I actually, I set an alarm. Actually I have the alarm goes off around like, I think it's set right now for like 4.23. Oh, okay. And like 4.47 will go off the second time and then I'm, then I'm up. And uh, the big thing, too, with my birthday always being on Halloween, I'm just a big Halloween person. I always have some, some weird Halloween costumes, but uh, this year wasn't too bad. I just put some, like, uh, it was like a big, like, tube, like an exhaust tube, and I put it over myself to make it look like a funnel cloud, and I wore, like, a shark hat and little shark and blood stuff, and I went as Sharknado. It was pretty cool this year, so... I got a friend that does the same thing. Like he's always, he's never something. He's like, you know, play on words or fuck. You guys would be, you guys would be two peas in the pot. That's uh, yeah. I wore, I wore a suit the look with a with a briefcase with like bloody arm, uh, bloody hands sticking out of it, and I said it was an arms dealer. <laughs> I like that. I told somebody about your Clinton Dix football team, and they're they're dying. <laughs> Well, the bad part was we so started 2-0, oh, we lost five in a row. I was 2-5, and five, but I won this past week, so that was good. So, uh, Clinton Dix has yeah, um, not been doing well. My team. Uh, I started this week, I'm, I'm making a comeback. It's a league I've won every year, the last three or four years. And it's my big money league, and I started 0-4. And, and I had one out, but I, I had Bell, and I started push this week. So I have Bell and Hyde. Those, those are my Bell cows, you know, and... Uh, you know, it's not looking good for me. Trade for TJ Elton today. Oh, well, then uh, in the, this is the fourth year I've been doing the Survivor League. That's where, you know, we start with 17 teams. You can play anybody, but you can only use them once. And then every week, the lowest scoring team gets eliminated. So the last team standing wins. 
So three years ago, I think I finished second my first year. Then I was sixth. Then I was tenth. So I was like, I better not finish 14th this year. I see a bad pattern. But we're now at nine teams now. But um, I started real hot and I kind of slipped. So with 10 teams, I was like in seventh going into this week. But my quarterback this week, I played Drew Brees. Oh, yeah. So we're, we're third now. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just a running total. And then, like, you could, like, week one, I played Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Then week two, it's like Tom Brady. You can only use him one time. And then you can play anybody yeah, you want. Yeah. The score just keeps going. And then 17 teams, and every week someone gets, you know, like, voted off the island. So, good week to play Drew Brees. So, I went from seventh to third. That's so that was good. Yeah, because Drew Brees, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't have played a better, uh, better player oh, like all year. That was gorgeous. I traded yelling at it. I had to get yelled at I need yelled at Oh, well, what's hurt me was my first round, first round, was my first round pick this year was Eddie Lacy. So, uh, yeah, kind of hurting there. Yeah, Randy Cooks hasn't terrible. done too that's much terrible. until this past week, and yeah. I drafted Cooks early, too. Uh, there's two mistakes I made in all my fantasy leagues. I drafted Cooks too early in a lot of them, because I thought Cooks was going to be, like, like up with Odell and Antonio Brown this year in terms of stats. I thought he was going to be just crazy this year. And uh, Golden Tate, I thought he was going to be like a consistent, like, 80-catch, 1,000-yard, 8-touchdown guy, guaranteed. You know, the safe bet. Oh, and he's, with Cooks, my he's other wide receiver, I took Devontae Adams, and then Devontae Adams got hurt. So now hopefully I, you know, Green Bay's really kicked me in the ass this year, so. Yeah, I picked up Devontae Adams. Somebody dropped him. I was like, he's worth a waiver watch. <laughs> Yeah, I think he only had, what, one catch, two targets. But I'm hoping that maybe he'll do it now because uh, my other guy was John Brown, and then John Brown didn't play last week, but now he's going into his bye. So hopefully when he comes back, he'll be healthy. He's one getting the touchdowns, but he's getting the catches. So I like John. Yeah, did you see on, uh, on Instagram or Twitter or something? I thought this was hilarious. Somebody was like, John Brown, congratulations. You earned a trip to my bench this week. He said John Brown and somebody else that had, like, an off week in fantasy. And John Brown was... It's my bye week, bro. I'll be at your girlfriend's house. <laughs> 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 I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. It's a little, uh, <laughs> it's a little rough, but I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was funny. 